Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 2 Kings chapter 14 from the World English Bible. In the second year of Joash, son of Jehoaz, king of Israel, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoiadin of Jerusalem. He did that which was right in Yahweh's eyes, yet not like David his father. He did according to all that Joash his father had done. However, the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. As soon as the kingdom was established in his hand, he killed his servants who had slain the king his father. But the children of the murderers he didn't put to death, according to that which is written in the book of the law of Moses, as Yahweh commanded, saying, The fathers shall not be put to death for the children, nor the children be put to death for the fathers. But every man shall die for his own sin. He killed ten thousand Edomites in the Valley of Salt, and took Selah by war, and called its name Jokthiel to this day. Then Amaziah sent messengers to Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let's look one another in the face. Jehoash, the king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son as wife. Then a wild animal that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled down the thistle. You have indeed struck Edom, and your heart has lifted you up. Enjoy the glory of it and stay at home, for why should you meddle to your harm, that you fall, even you and Judah, with you? But Amaziah would not listen. So Jehoash king of Israel went up, and he and Amaziah king of Judah looked one another in the face at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. Judah was defeated by Israel, and each man fled to his tent. Jehoash, king of Israel, took Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Jehoash, the son of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh, and came to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, four hundred cubits. He took all the gold and silver and all the vessels that were found in Yahweh's house and in the treasures of the king's house, the hostages also, and returned to Samaria. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoash, which he did, and his might, and how he fought with Amaziah, king of Judah, aren't they written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Jehoash slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel, and Jeroboam his son reigned in his place. Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived after the death of Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel, fifteen years. Now the rest of the acts of Amaziah, aren't they written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? They made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. 
They brought him on horses, and he was buried at Jerusalem with his fathers in David's city. All the people of Judah took Azariah, who was sixteen years old, and made him king in the place of his father Amaziah. He built Elath and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. In the fifteenth year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria for forty-one years. He did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight. He didn't depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, with which he made Israel to sin. He restored the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the Sea of the Arabah, according to Yahweh, the God of Israel's word, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was from Gath-Hefer. For Yahweh saw the affliction of Israel, that it was very bitter, for all, slave and free, and there was no helper for Israel. Yahweh didn't say that he would blot out the name of Israel from under the sky, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam the son of Joash. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam and all that he did, and his might, how he fought, and how he recovered Damascus and Hamath, which had belonged to Judah, for Israel, aren't they written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Jeroboam slept with his fathers, even with the kings of Israel, and Zechariah, his son, reigned in his place. That is the end of chapter 14. So many J names and A names and lots and lots of numbers. I have linked again to Dr. Floyd Jones' chart from the book, The Chronology of the Old Testament. I specifically refer you to pages 135 and pages 142 through 144, for a discussion of some confusion regarding making the numbers add up with the kings in chapters 14 and 15. In summary, this partly has to do with what people assume and often not carefully reading the details given. Sometimes we don't understand something yet, or there are particular details not given, but that doesn't mean the Bible is wrong. Let me read you a couple of paragraphs from Dr. Jones's book. This is beginning on page 142 in section 4, titled The Jeroboam II Dilemma. Another commonly reported contradiction in the biblical text is that concerning the synchronization involving the reigns of Amaziah and Uzziah, parentheses Azariah, of Judah as compared to that of Jeroboam II of Israel. This perception arises as a result of Amaziah's being credited with a 29-year rule in 2 Kings 14.1-2, followed by the statement that Jeroboam II began his 41-year reign in Amaziah's 15th, 2 Kings 14.23. So far, so good, for this precisely fits with the 16th and final year of Jehoash, Jeroboam's father and immediate predecessor. The triangle closes with the testimony that Amaziah of Judah lived 15 years after the death of Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz of Israel, 2 Kings 14.17. As the base is that of 29 years, and the two arms of 15 each totals 30, these seemingly antagonistic results simply reveal that a non-accession relationship existed between the regimes of Jehoash and his son Jeroboam II. See chart 5. 
Were that all the data to consider, the problem would thus have been resolved. However, such is not the case, for the scriptural record goes on to add that Uzziah, parentheses, Azariah, began to reign over the southern kingdom at age 16 in the 27th year of Jeroboam II and continued in his post for 52 years, 2 Kings 15, 1-2. Unhappily, from the previous scriptural determination, which fixed the first year of Jeroboam at 825 BC, the 27th year of Jeroboam's dominion falls not on Uzziah's first official year, but at his twelfth. This disturbing result causes nearly all modern scholars to hurl anathemas against the 2 Kings 15, 1-2 passage, as 2 Kings 14, 17, which assigned 15 years to Amaziah after the death of his antagonist, King Jehoash of Israel, is confirmed by the chronicler, 2 Chronicles 25, 25. Continuing on in his text here, Once again, the biblicist merely stands firm, knowing that both scriptures are true, and a reasonable way to reconcile them must exist. To reject this position denies and demeans God's promises to preserve his word. Once this is done, it leaves open to the subjective whim of man the depraved notion that he has the right to select which scripture should be accepted and which rejected. Such is an open-ended argument and, being the wrong path to follow, neither will ever be acknowledged as fully resolved by either side nor even a consensus reached within the respective camps. Whereas the author does not pretend to know the true historic details with regard to the question, several viable answers are available which do not violate any of the known facts and at the same time allow one to honor the testimony of all the scriptures involved. Three solutions are offered and displayed on the chart. It is most significant to note that whichever of the three is correct or accepted as so, the relative chronological positions and dates of all the kings involved do not change. As resolving the problem does not rely upon any of the admittedly somewhat subjective judgments, the chronology is independent of the solution and stands correct. That's all I'm going to read of his book right there, so you'll have to go check out for yourself if you're interested in seeing what his suggestions there are. And of course, I will have a link to his book on my website as well. I find myself going to the chronology of the Old Testament index and finding names in the current passages that I'm reading and then going through long sections where they get referenced. And I think it would be challenging to read this book unless you have recently read large sections of the Bible that are involved in the section that you're reading, but you can still get an increased understanding of what's going on and what to look for when you are reading. Now, in verse 2 of chapter 14, a point is made to mention Amaziah's mother. This is in contrast. She is in contrast to the line of Ahab. So now we begin to see mothers from Jerusalem in the kingly line. No one seems to be asking advice from Yahweh here amongst all of these kings. While the kings of Judah, at least, are walking mostly in his ways, they're not asking for advice about leadership and are just going off to war whenever they feel like it. And the part about the treasures being taken from the temple again made me remember how often this has happened, even so far in the Bible. 
So people who make a big deal about where all Solomon's treasures are hidden seem to be grasping at the wind. These treasures have been squandered, looted, dispersed, and generally mixed into the melting pot of plunder that is constantly being stirred up. The poetic put-down that Jehoash sent to Amaziah clarifies that Amaziah's words, let's look one another in the face, was basically a challenge to war. And Jehoash's estimation of Amaziah is correct. He whoops him soundly and takes him captive. Verse 22 confused me, so I went and read it in a handful of translations. Let me read it again from the World English Bible. Actually, let me start with verse 21 so you get it a little bit more in context. All the people of Judah took Azariah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the place of his father Amaziah. He built Elath and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. The King James Version says basically the same thing, but the New King James Version says it like this. He built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. Young's literal translation says, He hath built Elath and bringeth it back to Judah after the lying of the king with his fathers. And the Christian Standard Bible says the same thing, only in language that's a little more modern. After Amaziah the king rested with his fathers, Azariah rebuilt Elath and restored it to Judah. So reading all of that made that verse make a lot more sense to me. In verse 25, we hear about Jonah. This is the exact name used in the book of Jonah in verse 1. It also fits the time period of that account. Now, there seems to be some contention among scholars who study Assyria as to where this king of Nineveh is in the historical record. We do know, however, that in Luke 11.32, Jesus himself verified that this happened. On page 157 of his book, Dr. Jones points out that it's not unusual for kings that come after a blasphemer or apostate king, which is what the the ones who were converted to Yahweh would have been to them, to wipe out the names or alter history so that they can honor their pagan gods. So let me read one other thing that he says here in particular. Um, Yet despite all the uncertainty and lack of consensus, particularly among past Assyriologists involving, involved in both these identifications, inexplicably, nearly all modern scholars hold to them, even though it causes much abuse and contortion, to the plain reading of the Hebrew text. It would seem that were there not an obvious bias against the Hebrew authority, it would be utilized by these scholars as the deciding factor in clarifying the uncertainties regarding the persons in question. So all of that to help put in context in the timeline where Jonah is and how God has sent him here to the country of Israel, the northern kingdom, even though they didn't ask for help, but he does make it very clear that he is the one helping them. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 